What up, what up, party people? It is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And someone recently asked me, they said, Len Jones, are you just always in a good mood? And let me just be very clear and say, hell no. Although, ever since I've become aware that every day you have a choice, you can either live in the present, live in the past, or have anxiety about the future, it became clear that the method of living in the present is where it's at. I've been listening to a book on Audible called The Power of Now, in which the book is intended to be a guide for day-to-day living and stress is the importance of living in the present moment and transcending thoughts of the past or future. Its core message is that people's emotional problems are rooted in their identification with their minds. The author writes that an individual should be aware of their present moment instead of losing themselves in worry and anxiety about the past or the future. I really vibe with this message, especially when things like work and health come crashing the party trying to cause a Jones to lose his mind. If we work on changing our everyday attitudes and start to believe that we are truly living living the dream, we can forecast a better day and enjoy the small things that make life so great. And on a total flip side, I'm currently on a two-day fast. I've only done a one-day fast before, so we will see how it goes, but so far feeling fantastic. And if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold, to educate aspiring entrepreneurs by dissecting the come-up stories of incredible humans by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in my life that are making moves to meet my other friends in life making moves to create one giant community of extraordinary people. Today's episode, I am joined by the co-founder of Grip Genie, Tom Boyden. Tom is an entertainer, athlete, YouTuber, and all-around creative genius in the field of videography. I first learned of Tom through seeing one of his YouTube videos and was hooked on his channel. His channel bolsters over 1 million subscribers and is heavily geared towards the fitness community. And I found that Tom is just a super good human who keeps it real about his journey in a way that is very refreshing to hear. In this podcast, we covered so many topics, but specifically what is tricking and how to succeed at it, the process to make a living on YouTube along with staying creative, managing health issues like Crohn's disease, how to learn from others to see what works and what doesn't work, and building a business and what to expect on the journey. As always, you can watch this podcast with Tom and I live on YouTube. And if you find this content valuable, we ask you to like, comment, and share the good vibes. Now, without further ado, episode 60, let's jump into it. Boom! We're live. Tom Boyden in the house. How you doing, my man? Great, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm stoked to, to hear and, and finally have you here. I've been following your journey for a while. Grip Genie seems to be crushing it. You're always doing something creative. You're always, I feel like your brain's moving at a million miles per hour with so many different ideas. Have you always just been a creative human? Uh, I don't think I've always been creative. I think uh, it, I needed something to get me moving in a creative pattern i've always been uh i guess i don't know a talker and a a bit of a you know a bastard in school i was and and uh kind of i would say that i was creative in in things i did at the time but none of them were art or photography or or video or any of that and i don't know why i wasn't interested in it as a kid i was more down with video games and and just playing a massive amount of world of warcraft um uh, wow i was the circus i played warcraft 3 reign of chaos not wow i was into like the strategy yeah i got you that's that's better i wish i was not into wow but i mean there were like there were things that like in that game i got super creative and i was very like 
you know, I, I can look back on it and my friends will tell me how I would just be the, you know, I, I was the most serious about doing the most amount of damage in, in World of Warcraft, you know, and to do that, you had to kind of like get creative and, and find all the different ways to, uh, you know, just dodge dragons. So, <laughs> the, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it wasn't until I picked up a, a video camera that I started like kind of getting creative, but uh yeah, it's it's. I have two sides. Like my dad's a financial dude, super logical, not creative whatsoever. And then my mother is a graphic designer and she's a costume designer, and she's she's a she's the lady that I think gave me that. That's cool. How did the um the journey start? So like like college, were you you know what were you doing in school? Did you end up using anything you learned in school? Like where where did that take you? Well. Yeah, I mean, school was kind of weird because I got Crohn's disease my senior year of high school. Uh, I was diagnosed. It was like eight months of misdiagnoses uh, right before senior year. So I was like, end of junior year, summer before senior year, I just lost like 60 pounds uh, or four. How many pounds? I'm confusing my weight with what weight was then. I was like one one from like 150 to 115. I was just a a stick of a person. Damn. And yeah, and but what happened was I had all these colleges that I had applied to and got in and and waitlisted at some really good ones, and uh, and then I just got dropped because I missed tons of school and my GPA just tanked from three point nine to like two point six or something crazy and in, in just from failing everything. But uh, I went to UW Green Bay. Uh, to actually do a bassoon performance. So I was a music major. So I did uh, a bunch of played in all the bands with bassoon and, and really was taking bassoon seriously. And then uh, um, one, uh, and at the time I was playing, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's, you, you've opened up a bit of a can of worms, but at the time I was playing online poker and I was doing really well, but then I started getting into drinking heavily in college. And one night I got super drunk and lost $16,000 online blackout, woke up and it was just like, oh, I just lost $16,000. And I had made like up to that point, you know, a good amount of money, but not crazy. And that was a lot. It was you, like, went, you went full send blackout. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. And friend, my friends were around me and they all were cheering me on or something. And, and I was just blackout, just drunk like, and high. And, Holy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very unfortunate. So I, I got really sad and then started playing World of Warcraft again after having quit it and then dropped out of school. So then dropped out of school, went back to not doing school, went to a tech school to kind of get into a better school and eventually went to UW Madison, got a horticulture degree, and uh, that's, uh, I dropped out. I, I kept dropping out back and forth, and then would come back a semester later and finish. And um, I don't know. I, I was never really good at the school thing. Um, I would always just be in tons of student organizations. Like I was, I was the, uh, I ran a rooftop garden and an urban compost program, and. Um, worked with the student farm and then was did uh, social media and photo work with the 
Slow Food is like a, a food organization at the university. So I always spent my time on that and then just kind of right. dipped into the school. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty gnarly. You had Crohn's. I'm very familiar with Crohn's. I I have some, I have a stomach issue called SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Okay. Um, so pretty much had to learn about all those stomach things throughout that whole process. But mm-hmm. Crohn's is pretty gnarly. Can you share a little bit about what Crohn's is to people that don't know? Yeah, Crohn's is a inflammatory bowel disease, not to be confused with in, uh, inflammatory bowel syndrome or irritable bowel, irritable bowel syndrome, which is, uh, you know, which was kind of what, what people were diagnosed with for a while until they started looking more deep into it in the, I think it was like early 2000s and stuff, they actually started recognizing Crohn's, but it was also, I think it should be lumped in with the Western diseases, diabetes and cardiovascular disease and all that, because it's gone way up due to the crappy diet we've had. But um, it's supposed to be genetic, but I think they just say that for a lot of things. Um, And my sister actually got diagnosed a few years after me, so um, maybe it is genetic. But uh, yeah, it, it's a uh, Crohn's and then ulcerative colitis are the two flavors uh, of IBD and uh, pick your flavor. Yeah, yeah, really uh, Neapolitan style choices we got. And then the uh, Crohn's is the lower intestine and ulcerative colitis is more of the colon. So I got, I just had, um, you just have a re- giant reduction in appetite. You have really bad uh, intestinal and stomach pain all the time. Uh, Sometimes it leads to polyps. I had some polyps just lasered. Uh, And then it's also just certain foods really trigger it. Uh, Stresses trigger it. But it's a a chronic disease and you have it for life, but it goes into remission. Um, And I'm in remission and I've been in remission for a while and it'll pop up with certain stresses like traveling for, I've figured out that traveling for 14 days, like after the 14 day mark is when I start getting messed up because all the different food and the different changes uh, start adding up. But in general, uh, I'm doing okay with it and I'm not on any medication and and, uh, I kind of took myself off the medication way back when because they gave me this medication called azeothorprine and it's a immune suppressor so i'd i'd have no Crohn's symptoms but then i'd get i got pneumonia and mono and scarlet fever and would be have colds and sick all the time and yeah this is this makes no sense so damn it like shuts off your immune system Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, my aunt's partner is a naturopathic doctor, so she kind of helped me out a bit with uh, diet and, and supplements and, and uh, all that. Yeah, for me, uh, what finally worked for me, like after trying all the antibiotics and all that stuff, I used the, the elemental diet. So just like mm-hmm. all in on the ED, the physician's elemental diet, did it for mm-hmm. two weeks. And that's what like finally just calmed my, calmed my inflammation down because it's just crazy what inflammation is doing to the body. And, you know, you just let it build up and build up and build up. And because we don't know, like that's the hardest thing about when you get sick in any general, you just don't know, right? You don't get like schooled on the, the basics of being sick, you know? you have a headache or cold or whatever, but you don't know what's good with your stomach. You're like, ah, you know, I'll take emergency, even though you don't know the science behind it. You're like, hell yeah. Right. What happens. 
but it's crazy what's going on. And like the, the gut is the most undiscovered part of our body, like the microbiome. Like there's so oh, much yeah. research coming out every single day. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's a wild thing. And it's also just a wild thing to go through when you're 17 and, you know, they're all just, I remember doctors just being super confused why I'm anemic and why I'm just sucking at everything. And I mean, the one, the thing that actually I got hospitalized cause I, I went to, I was, I played soccer and I was a goalkeeper and I went to this goalkeeper camp that I'd gone to for three or four years. And it was all the people trying to get college scouting. And I was, I was pretty good. I wasn't good enough to get D one or anything, but I was definitely trying to, see if I could get into a D3 school or something. And uh, I lost a ton of weight at that point. And I'm just trying so hard to do the goalie thing. We were doing sprints or something. And I just kept throwing up and I just lost and just a ton of weight over a, like a 24-hour period. And I had to be hospitalized. And that was like the, the, the turning point. But you, you don't really – at that point, I was so confused about what was happening to me. I, you know, it just was happening over time and that was kind of the, uh, the end point. But, uh, it, it, it definitely shaped my, uh, a lot of like how I deal with things now because I'm, yeah. I'm much more easygoing. I can kind of deal with stressful things quite easily. So, yeah, I feel you. Something else that I think that is, is very interesting about one of your professions is the horticulture deal. So, you know, the, the art or practice of garden cultivation, so, I mean, I'm obsessed with just plants in general. I think everyone needs more plants in their life. It's scientifically proven to bring you more happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, have you just always been about that? No, I, this is, the thing with me is that people and my friends will notice it is that I'm like, I go just like years, I'll, I'll go with over years, I'll just get obsessed with something and, and just throw everything into it and for some reason i just really liked you know food like the the crohn's disease kind of triggered my relationship with food through exploring the diet more and then it got it went back to farming and gardening and and that got me super interested into it and hydroponics and and just uh rooftop and urban agriculture really i don't know it just really got me interested at the time and and uh yeah i think it was uh just some sort of events that happened after crohn's that led to it but i don't know i I just and my family's not super into food or or farming but yeah it was it was kind of a i just got really really into it it's cool to know the background of that when you do have crohn's and you have to know every single detail about your food and the spices that's in it and just to kind of understand you know organic non-organic just some of the basic things that make living with stomach issues so much easier right and uh and then just the the diet i mean if you're farming you're doing a lot of vegetables and and uh antithesis of what many of the uh doctors were telling me that I shouldn't eat vegetables and coarse things and that'll ruin my digestion. And I I actually did do that and it helped a lot, which is, uh, you know, a direct correlation with me doing the the farming thing and the gardening. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you've had such a diverse experiences growing up. 
And that seems like to be something that's really been complementing your today skill set, which is you're crushing it. I mean, if you guys don't follow Tom on, on Instagram or YouTube, I mean, he's just a riot. Just very interesting. The, the content you put out is just, I'm, I'm curious what goes on in your brain, what makes you think of these things. It's just good energy, good everything. Um, but what kind of like started that? So you're a videographer, you're, you're out of school. I think you mentioned founding a company called Flippin. Was that like immediately after school or where did that come in? Uh, no, I, um, I went, uh, so it all, well, the video stuff started with tricking the video camera I got as a kid, uh, maybe yeah, 17, 18 when I started doing flips and, and I was my family's video camera and then it didn't really, I didn't really do anything with it, but just film and you had to look at your clips to get better. At, at tricking you just fall a ton of times and you had to look at why you're falling and, and improve on that and kind of self teach yourself to uh to do do better because there was no instructors for this but that that i guess that camera kind of spurred the initial video stuff and then i just um it actually was the combination of farming and food i started filming farmers and interviewing farmers and 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 filming food and yeah it just it just kind of erupted from there that that combination of media and food slash farming was what really made me go crazy with it and and just started doing pretty much everything involved that so i, I worked for the uh horticulture department i, I worked for uh multiple just a uh, food organizations and just did things for free for a while, just doing all kinds of video stuff and interviewing farmers. And then I went on this bike trip that, which was the big thing I, I went to the, to get my master's in organic agriculture in, in the Netherlands and completely hated it. And, and uh, luckily had a, I had a student visa. So I had sick amount of time and in, in Europe, I could stay there for just a long time. And, and uh, I decided to, start biking around Europe and just filming everything. That's, and that's the dream right there. That sounds it was, awesome. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I kind of filmed mini vlogs of myself. And at the time I thought I wasn't as focused on myself, my journey, myself as, as the farmers, it was kind of like a, there were, there were two different things. I made like a mini documentary with the farmers and interviewing them and, and then, um, and presented that at some like, uh, urban agriculture conferences and, and and a few websites featured it and then the other side was me doing like these small vlogs and small my my little journey thing so it was uh it was kind of like a lead in to what juji and i do now but it, it really that was the it was just like four months of me dedicating myself to filming a ton all the time and in every adverse situation you know i would I'd be biking through the UK and it was 15 out of 18 days it rained and I'm camping outside in a wet tent every day and I'm still just <laughs> filming all the stuff and, and I'm biking, you know, I'm biking around. So uh, it got me really good at just uh, dealing with any uh, filming and dealing with any situation. And almost just becoming comfortable with constantly having a camera on you. So it's not yep. weird at all anymore. And you're not like thinking, Oh, what are other people thinking about me? You're just like, nah, I'm just doing time. Like, yeah, I, I never had that problem. Luckily I I'm pretty shameless and, and 
uh, you know, Juji took when we first started filming in public and he, he took a while to warm up to it. And, and I was just, dude, we got, we got to just do it. We do it. And, and it doesn't matter. We, we don't care what people think of us. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of it comes from that and just giving uh zero fucks. And, and at this point it's easy because it's, it's the job, you know, we, then I was just doing it for my own personal things. I mean, that's like an art though, right? How to not give a shit, right? Like to be able to convince yourself to do it. Because I think a lot of people want to go out and do funny stuff or do some filming or put themselves out there, but they're just petrified because of what could. I mean, it's the human instinct, you know, suppressing fear is that's a tough issue. I mean, it happens in every every day of our lives. So that's cool that you guys build this relationship where you're just like, if one person's kind of wussing out, you're like, all right, listen, homie. We got to go. It's time to yeah. make moves. You guys got that connection. That's huge. Yeah. And I think just everyone sucks at failure. I think everyone's super afraid of failure. And, and that's, super, that's understandable. Uh, you should be, but it's human nature to be afraid of failure. But when you, I, I have just a very, very easy time failing. And I, I've just failed at so many things and just, done something else and, and, and either done something else and realized like, okay, I got to cut my losses or just kept plowing through. And that's the, I think one of my biggest attributes that separates me from, from a lot of people. I always get people messaging me, Hey man, I'm starting a YouTube channel and and I'm going to do this. And uh, how do I do this? And what's the best thing for this? And you just got to make 200, 300, 400, 500,000 videos and suck at them forever. And then, and then you'll finally get better at them. And people just, and that's so many skills. I mean, that's not just making YouTube videos. You can, if you just, if you fail at drawing for six months in a row, you're, you're going to get better at the end of it. uh, Unless, you know, you got a special, uh, I don't know, you're drawing with a, a fucking fish, you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're using a spatula to, to paint, then yeah, you're not going to progress that. But if you got a paintbrush, you got the paint and you've been doing it for six months, you're most likely going to get better. There's going to be a sudden surge in paint fishing after this episode. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends, Nick Ivy, just recently painted using tree bark. Yeah. He just used, oh, like, nice. just took tree, like, uh, like little branches and just painted. Yeah. It. And That's now he's wild. like, you know, it didn't look that great, but it was, for him but to me i was like damn bro that that thing's fresh like it's cool to see the internet get more and more creative and like you mentioned fail fast fail Mm -hmm. as fast as humanly possible you can't lose if you never give up it's so cliche right but it's the truth yeah and just surrounding yourself with people that don't give up and you talk about like you're all about this fail game is there a specific moment that you can think about that might be you know either funny or traumatic or something about you on these come up even when it comes to youtube or something where you know everything kind of went south in a way that's memorable forever yeah i mean there were two situations uh one was during that biking trip and then one, a YouTube one, I'll say the, the biking trip, I was on a small trail in the UK. And at this time, the only camera gear I had was one like very cheap. It was maybe like a $250 camera. And uh, I had it on the front of my bike because I would always want to grab it. And, and uh, I put it in a bag and then just uh, had the camera bag on the front of my bike. And I would I just kind of ramshackled that together and I would always just pull it out and start filming. And 
the uh, one day I was going on this trail, uh, they have these canal trails that are really narrow right next to the water. And this guy just on another bike comes zooming up and doesn't, uh, didn't be, uh, have any sort of noise or horn or, or bell. And, and we were at this tunnel thing and, and it got narrower and it came up and he just ran into me and I, I went into the canal. This is like at 7 PM right at dusk. And, uh, and then he, he was very unapologetic, but he helped me out and I, my stuff was all wet and I was, you know, obviously all wet and I was super pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Like, dude, what, what is going on? Why, why did you do this? And then he's, uh, you know, he had to run and he at least helped me out, but I was just stuck in, it's almost pretty much night at this point. It's very dark and I'm super cold. Everything's wet. My camera's wet uh, and I'm freaking out and I go to the first boat that has light and it's just this, this long story short, it's a drunk guy named Maggot and uh, a drunk woman and they're just, they're just having a good time in a a small shack that he, a fishing shack that he uh, repairs people's houseboats in (laughs) and uh yeah, there's so he's, uh, he's he's a great dude. Yeah. Yeah, great guy. Let me in, uh let me dry off and then there was a uh, just some sort of existential crisis between him and letting me sleep there because he has to shit in the morning in his houseboat and I would be in his way uh to shit in in the in the in the cabinet. And that makes sense, right? Right, right. So I'm going back and forth and and eventually I have to go outside and I sleep under a bridge just just with my sleeping bag because my tent's all wet and it was just like it was just a horrifying night and this was maybe three weeks into the trip and i still had you know multiple months to go here so that was a definitive point where i had <laughs> that's to a definitive of, that's that's a point right there you're like oh yeah. shit you're looking at the stars like oh damn <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> did not plan for this but my camera went in in the water and it was fine i dried it out everything was fine with the camera i was like okay well, I did this and I just got to keep going and, and, uh, and it, it doesn't matter. It was a funny story. That's a lot of, a lot of the failures you can just chalk up to just how ridiculous it is. Like I love just worst case scenarios. I don't like just a small failure. Like, Oh, I stubbed my toe and then I had to, uh, you know, I couldn't wear that shoe that day or something. <laughs> the, uh, I just want something, everything to go wrong, you know? Uh, yeah. so everything went wrong there. <laughs> Uh, and then I kept going. Uh, but then on YouTube, I'd say the biggest hurdle was right when I went full time. It's about a year of part time with Juji and and really making no money, just paycheck to paycheck. And and I, I decided it was enough to move to Charlotte. My lease was up in New York City. Moved to North Carolina and make it happen because before I was just flying there and and uh, we got demonetized. It was like a big ad apocalypse at the time and the whole channel was just massively demonetized because they were demonetizing fitness channels that had uh male nipples in the thumbnails and such and uh and they were just trying to figure out their algorithm and we went from like you know at that time it was maybe like 1800 bucks a month which was uh the ad revenue which was barely livable and then it went down to like 400 and uh and it stayed there for about four months right when I moved, uh, to, to, so I had to, it was a kind of a panic situation. And, but when I do that, when, when that 
type of thing happens, I'm always on the horse to find different revenue sources and how we can make something else happen. And we went to Twitch and, and we live streamed on Twitch for a while just to get a consistent income and, uh, yeah. And so you guys just like, you know, life hits you and you're, you know, just improvise. Yeah, we had to, cause I had moved there and kind of pretty much just picked up and left and, and put all invested all my cards in this. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was a volatile decision, but it, uh, I think, uh, you know, I knew that if, if it wasn't going to work out, we, I'd find other ways to make it work. And, and it, so basically, yeah, we got demonetized and then it was a year and a half ago. We had had some mild successes at that point and we had done a ton of videos. We had been doing like when John was in North Carolina and I was in New York, we were doing a video a day. He would film and I would edit and, and whenever I was there, we'd do a video a day and, and we were releasing a ton of stuff and it was not getting much traction. We were getting, you know, a reasonable like 30,000 uh, would be an average video 15,000 would be a crappy one and sometimes we would get some good videos but not very often at that point our biggest video was like 600,000 views and that was by far the biggest the next biggest was maybe 250 300 and it was and those are random they weren't oh I figured something out and I know how to do YouTube those were just completely random um, clickbait kind of titles that I didn't really know at the time would pop off, but they did. And I didn't, it's hard when you do, when you get two videos that kind of pop off over a year, you really don't, uh, over a year and a half it was. You don't so, think you really know, you don't have it down. No. You, I had no clue what was, what was a recipe, but May of 2018, I had also been tracking, I had a huge spreadsheet of all yeah. of the fitness YouTube channels and I tracked them for about a year and a half from like 2016 December I kind of did like a qualitative I had this kind of rating scale of them about how many videos or how many subscribers they got per video and who was growing the fastest and I looked at the people that were doing the right things and then just started kind of emulating what they were doing in their titles and such and then emulated a lot of video game channels in their thumbnails and then just kind of combine that uh, alongside like YouTube. The content doesn't matter. No, nobody watches the video. They don't care about the video itself. It, it's like they, the, they're clicking on it because of the title and the thumbnail and more so saying that the title and the thumbnail are the most important things. And at that point I knew how to make a good video, but nobody was watching, you know? No. Yeah. And, and it'd been Juju and I think at that point it, may of 2018 had made a hundred plus videos together 150 so and i had made a hundred more than that beforehand so at that point i knew how to make a good video i just found i started putting the pieces together on thumbnails and titles i made content schedules with guests and i made all the titles beforehand all the thumbnail ideas I would draw out beforehand. And this was kind of the culmination of a, a lot of hard work and just thinking of ideas and, and, and doing really well on thumbnails and titles. And then this was like, I was talking about bringing the grip tools to rock climbing gym for a long time. Like, Dude, we got to bring them there and, and test these guys grip. And 
for some reason and that video just went crazy and that was our first million view video after just two days wow two days it hit million views and that was our first one and it was it was pretty wild it it just bumped up the channel we got almost a hundred thousand subscribers in in maybe two weeks damn and I immediately contacted Magnus Mitbo, who's a rock climber and one of our favorite guests, favorite good friend of mine, and contacted him. And I just kept the ball rolling after that. And then the channel, yeah, grew. I think that point we were at maybe 200,000 uh, subscribers. And then that was, what, a year and three months ago? And yeah, so it just, it just erupted after that. and And then kept the ball rolling and now you've hit over a million yeah now we're at a million and uh the channel's kind of slowed down right now because i got super burnt out um and juji and i kind of are in this uh i I like to it's like i I talk about it as if it's bodybuilding or powerlifting different Uh, seasons yeah like you have a bulking season you got a, a a cutting season and then you've got a maintenance period right and right now I'm just in, in maintenance with the YouTube channel because it, it takes a lot of effort to, uh, to make really, really good videos and to, to plan really good videos and to, to collaborate with people and, and to keep up with our own training. And, and all that is aside from the other businesses we have. And, <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work. So I'm kind of, I make a decision at at a certain point like okay i'm gonna chill on the youtube for now just make videos but not kill myself to make them the best ever or or make uh put all the effort possible into them because if i did that for i you can't do that for five years straight you know you can't yeah i think that's that's really important you're talking about this because you know people will look at your success and you and juju's just teamwork and they'll think oh well they just got the secret sauce but there's no secret you're just you all you're you're losing your your ish day in and day out just yeah. using every brain molecule in your in your head just to figure this thing out and and like you said you're doing a video but it's not getting what you want it's not getting what you want eventually one day you get that pop off which is a huge theme of of what we can do today like you start a company you can get one video and if it pops that can drive traffic forever yeah and that's true. such a gnarly world we live in. So it's like you and Juju, it seems like the two of you have been through a shit ton together. Like when did you guys even first meet? We met in 2013, but going back to the tricking and flipping and all that stuff, he had a website called trickstutorials.com, which was a forum that a lot of the backyard trickers that were uh, trying to learn how to do this stuff on their can own. You t- can you say what tricking is, by the way? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, tricking is a we call it an aesthetic blend of martial arts with gymnastics and breakdancing. Martial arts. It's a lot of martial arts. Uh, wushu, karate, taekwondo, uh, capoeira, uh, and all of those. You just take the flashiest elements, pretty much. It's it's essentially a dance or, or a gymnastics. Like a combination of dance and gymnastics routine in 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 its aesthetic, and it's not it's not a fighting method, but you do martial arts kicks and just combine them with flips and twists, and it is pretty hard to learn. And that would be also a, a definite 
a definite spot to look at in terms of failing well, uh, because I would say the first uh, 2007, 2006 is when I started. I would say the first three years I fell about 90% at the time. Uh, and you just don't land anything because you have no idea what's going on with your body. You don't know how to control it. And yeah, I would just, I just ate shit for, for many years. So, <laughs> so, uh, and, and then, uh, Juji had a forum, which I found, uh, this is, you know, back before Facebook and Instagram and that was popular. And, you would go to forums to figure out stuff. And, and he had a forum that everyone posted on that did this tricking stuff. And I was one of the few from Wisconsin. And I found a friend of mine, uh, actually he's a legally blind dude who did tricking a crazy dude. Uh, can't see like three feet in front of him, but he does flips. Like it's his, he's, he's got some sort of superhero ability, but I found that guy. And then, uh, I started getting better cause I was training with someone and, and then started filming and looking at what I was doing wrong and got a trampoline and, and got a lot better. But, uh, Juju and I met, uh, I guess I'd been doing it for six or so years at 2013. At that time I was doing a lot of video stuff and, uh, we had a mutual friend in Chicago and we met in Chicago, made a video called the Juju sessions, which was a very, uh, fun video to make. I put a lot of effort into it. Uh, and, that was kind of uh, the first real time that we uh, made a video. And then uh, we met a couple times after that up to 2014 and just did some random videos, but I was going through a bad breakup and just, just confusing in my life at the time, drinking a lot and doing a lot of drugs and stuff. So I was not in an ideal space, but he Interestingly enough, he had a Facebook page in 2013 and wasn't hadn't done Instagram yet. And I was doing Instagram because I had an organic agriculture and urban agriculture blog. Right. And I would post pictures of uh, beautiful pictures of I don't know plants and shit, you know, uh, yeah, and food <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. And uh, yeah, and and I told him like, dude, you gotta do Instagram. You'd be great at it. And we set up his Instagram that day, and then I, we just kind of lost touch for a couple of years and he did really started doing really well on Instagram in 2015. And I didn't, I had really no clue. I wasn't, I was in my own zone and um, yeah. And then I went into film in New York city for a few years, a couple of years, and then uh, kind of reached out to him in 2016. And then we started doing stuff part-time together and, and went, went far from there. That's cool. I mean, you you built a friendship. You guys both testing the water, seeing what works. You think, wow, there's an opportunity here. The foundation's built. The teamwork's built. You just needed the vehicle. You found the vehicle. You went all in on it. And, you know, you guys are doing big moves now. You guys got the thing Grip Genie going on, which is just very interesting. I know we were talking before the podcast started and you're just talking about all the behind the scenes work that goes into it. You know, tell us a little bit about Grip Genie and this company you guys are doing and that's crushing. Yeah, it was actually, um, you know, I, I'd i like to say it was a, a cool story of how we started it or uh, even say a, a heroic story, but it was actually a story of spite. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was me just uh, being pissed at a, a grip strength company who I won't name that wasn't really supporting us in our videos, even though 
we had bought their products and we had used their products in a ton of big videos and millions of views. We had garnered uh, attention to their products and, and they just wouldn't support us all. It was the point that really changed everything was when we asked them if we, we were going to do a giveaway for our viewers. And, uh, they, uh, they said, no, you got to pay for that. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's really unfortunate that you've done this. <laughs> and, uh, that was I, the moment. <laughs> yeah, that was the moment. And that was August of 2018. And it was September of 2018 where Juju and I were brainstorming and we were in his car and we just had done a road trip and we were both kind of, at that time, we had just done too many YouTube videos and we were kind of, it was, it's a similar situation. We were kind of losing ourselves a little bit and, going too hard on it and losing kind of that energy that's that that good energy that people like watching and and uh we were in the car and i we were just trying to think of names and i just thought of game genie the old video game company they make a like a cheat code device (laughs) back in the day you would plug it into your console and, and it would give you cheats so uh it was kind of hacking your game and then uh yeah, I just thought of adding grip to it, grip genie, and then doing a lot of retro video game styling, branding, and and both Juji and I, Juji had played retro video games, and I was big into video games, so it kind of combined that that and and the level idea of leveling up and levels, like the the grippers are all levels, and it's yeah, I just thought of that idea, and then we had a soft release. We had a North Carolina manufacturer. We did a soft release in October. 2018 from our late October, November, 2018. And it sold out really quickly, did really well, but we, we didn't have great margins and, uh, the products were okay. Yeah. And then I just spent pretty much six months just ma- find, sourcing the manufacturers, going over prototypes and going over designs and going over styles and, and, uh, and then eventually released getting all the products and releasing all the stuff and the, the website and the branding and all that in, in March and at the Arnold Fit Expo. Who particularly benefits the most out of having insane grip? You know, climbers come to mind at first, but mm-hmm. is there like a big demographic that you didn't think would be a huge customer that has exploded? One that kind of jumps out to me is uh, baseball. There's a baseball coach that has talked to me a few times and said how much he likes the the hub which is the you grip it like this like your hands grip it around this circle and and it's your finger strength just almost like a like a ball and he uses it for his pitchers because it, it allows them to grip the ball better and and throw better curveballs and sliders and all that and that was super interesting but Right now, our demographic is very much barbell and, and powerlifting and strength sports and strongman focused just because that's our, our audience on YouTube and we haven't, uh, uh, because of the lack of grippers, it, it's, um, it's been hard to, to introduce them to other people uh, because the, the grip strength stuff like the hub, the, the pitchers have been using and these tools that you load onto a loading pin, which is loading pins on the ground, you put weight on it, and then you lift up with these different grip tools. But those, no one's going to buy them unless they are introduced to grip strength. So <laughs> you have to, the, the grippers are kind of what we catch people's eye with and then and introduce them to grip strength. And then once they get a loading pin, they can 
just have open up the world. And that's the, that's the, when it starts getting really cool and, and you can try out different types of grip and, and improve different parts of your hand and wrist strength and, and develop your forearms and all that. But, uh, like I said, we had inventory manufacturer problems with our grippers and that was, uh, uh, that kind of just delayed a lot of things and we just figured them out in the last couple months. So, yeah, that's big. It's cool that you have the name for this demographic grippers because yeah. it's, it's really cool when you can put a name behind your tribe or your following or the type mm-hmm. of people that are buying your product because it really makes them feel more attached to the brand and gives them an identity, uh, which is just very interesting in human psychology, how that works. You know, I'm constantly always thinking, how can I you know, brand the people that even follow the show or the podcast or just the Jones brand in general oh, yeah, yeah. in a way that, you know, really is more inclusive of everyone. You know, our brand, our thing is, you know, it's a damn good day to have a damn good day. Mm-hmm. You know, just good vibes, good energy. Um, but it's just interesting that all those little things, I'm a big fan of, of uh, Shailene Johnson. She has the Build Your Tribe podcast, really yeah, good yeah. online marketer. Um, and just always talking about building that tribe. And you guys seem to be experts at building that tribe with the following you've built and you guys, you know, I mean, you work your ass off, but you have fun. I mean, like you guys, oh, yeah, yeah. Are, you're, you guys are gooning, like living the dream. And, and that's really inspiring to, to see. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's odd to have, have fun for a living because then you don't, uh, I don't really do anything else, uh, I, I, outside of videos and stuff. I have other things that I do. I'll, I'll play some video games and I play online poker and, and that type of stuff. But I don't really, I don't, I don't go out and I don't do that stuff anymore. And, and, uh, I just like, uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting the way the, you know, if your career is this type of thing, you, you end up doing everything outside of it a little, little differently. Yeah. You, you build the life around. So if you could could go back, right. And take everything you've learned today, maybe fresh out of college and you could have said, you know, one, two or three things to yourself, like old, older Tom talking to younger Tom, like, listen, homie, we got five minutes. You know, what would you say to yourself that you think could have saved you a ton of time, money, headache, any of those things? Let's see. College Tom, just drop out earlier. Uh, (laughs) Don't go back. Just do your own thing. Uh, And then say no to more things would have been good because I said yes to a lot of projects that really destroyed me mentally and and that I couldn't finish that uh, you know I regret a lot that I wish I not had not done in the first place uh, though I had to do it because I didn't have enough money and I was trying to do this as a career with video and that happened when I was freelance a lot I got into a lot of projects that I really just didn't want to do at all yeah and you know editing a documentary on beer you know it wasn't my thing uh, <laughs> it's so the, uh, that was, what I was saying, I would say, don't, uh, you shouldn't have sold 16 Bitcoin at $600. Um, the, <laughs> right. And obviously there's always like, you know, I wouldn't change anything because you know, right. I made me who I am today. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that, you know, didn't, didn't. Yeah. And that's the whole, pe- that's the whole point. <laughs> people listen to this show and listen to people like you is to, you know, try to save yourself some of these headaches because you can learn yourself, but it's tough if you got to run into walls and mm-hmm. fall on your face. And if you're a tricking like you, you're just going to, you know, beat up your body like crazy. So you right. know, the last kind of staple I'm real curious about is what would you kind of say to that person that's right on the fence of starting their first business and kind of mm-hmm. jumping into it and just something's holding them back? The first 
business is, you know, it's, it's probably not going to go the best. So that's, you just kind of don't have to expect that this is going to work out and it's going to be profitable or be the best, uh, the best thing you could ever do. Cause there's so many, uh, so many entrepreneurs and business people have multiple failing businesses before they, they find the successful one. So I, I wouldn't put all eggs in one basket, just get started immediately. Uh, you know, I, Crip Genie was not my first business, you know, I, I the YouTube and, uh, I did a t-shirt company and I had a freelance camera business and, and all that stuff was very much, uh, you know, work towards this. And I'm at the point in the business where you can have a business and it can succeed, but to actually take that and, and, and grow past that and find that, that special something, all of this stuff is available on the internet to have a profitable and successful business, but to really make it into something spectacular and something different there's kind of tipping point and and I'm kind of at that with grip genie where I have to get creative and find a lot of different things to do that the industry is doing or that I've looked at or, or and just it's kind of like what I did with the YouTube is what, right. what point I'm at with the grip genie stuff so so it's straight taking it back to the to the whiteboard seeing what works mm-hmm. what doesn't work doing everything you can and keep trying new stuff exactly and now instead of just a YouTube channel where Juju and I rely on the income, now it's eight employees, you know? <laughs> so now it's just all these people that rely on me to, uh, to, to figure out the, the way to make it more successful. So it's, a, it, you know, it's, that's the thing with business is, you know, it's, it, when it's, when it's just yourself failing, it's pretty cool. But uh, when you're, when you got other people uh, that are relying on you, you really have to take it seriously and you really have to, uh, have to decide to, you know, make it successful for them as well, which is a very, very different mindset. It, it definitely changes things a lot. Dude, that's awesome. And it's cool that you're just super real and you just say things exactly how they are. I mean, you're extremely authentic and, you know, you're very just open about talking about your successes and your failures more importantly. And, you know, we, we going to fail a lot to get to where yeah. we got to be. So your story is really awesome. And, you know, we really appreciate it. Our audience is definitely going to appreciate this. And I know that there's so much value that's going to help people get to the next step of where they're at. So next time you're out in Cali, bro, you got to come meet us up. Most definitely, and uh, yeah. hopefully it's not burnt down by now. Unfortunately, there's terrible fires going on in Sherman Oaks. It's straight. Just we got, it's not good. It's not good, but yeah, we don't have, uh, there's no fires in North Carolina. Just, uh, just a lot of mud and, Sometimes hurricanes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to just another sometimes. episode. Of just sometimes. Yeah. All right, man. Well, yeah, we appreciate you. you. Thank it, you so much. And, uh, and until next time. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.